Hey strangers, welcome to another episode of The Strange Sessions. Per usual, I am Kurt, and my co-host is always here because she can't, she won't, and she don't stop. That is my co-host, Krista, the sure shot. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Beastie that Boys reference. That was all Beastie Boys references. I <laughs> I've love it. I've been binging on the Beastie Boys lately. Sweet. So welcome, Krista. Thank you. And we are joined in the studio today by our good friend, James Bond. Not, Inter- not to be confused. Intergalactic. Yeah. Intergalactic. There you go. <laughs> yes. You're that's done. a thing, right? Yeah, okay. that's a thing. That's okay. a Beastie Boys uh, song, yes. I was just thinking, Jamie was here in the first season for our Area 51 episode, and now he's in episode 51. <gasps> is that coincidence? Whoa. Yeah, pretty much. Synchronicity. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. not planned. Yeah. <laughs> we are not planning on storming the uh, no. Area 51 no. yet. What's fascinating about that is that that started as a joke. It was just like a joke topic. Really? And yeah. I mean, it was started... Spread like wildfire. Yeah, and now... The news, you know, people picked it up and think it's a thing. And now it sounds like people want it to become a thing when it was started as a joke. Don't storm Area 51. I'm guessing a bunch of people have no idea this is a joke and they think it's happening. And they're along for the ride. Yeah. If If there was anything there, it's not there anymore. They moved it somewhere else. So don't storm Area 51, please. Unless you want to get shot or arrested. Yeah. But if you do, we'll interview you on the show. If you make it out alive. Uh, we are in the sweat lodge today. It here. is so it hot is in here. It's really hot it's in like the studio. Sauna. It is like a sauna. <laughs> um, we don't really have any shout outs because it's only been a week since we recorded our last episode. I'm basically going to fan myself to the yeah, It's probably picking up <laughs> on the microphone. It. It's just the sound of the constant <laughs> thing going. Is there a bird flapping its wings in the background? <laughs> so I, we have no new listeners. Really? Yeah. I guess it has it's only, only been, been week. one week. Or no new strangers, I should no say. Strangers. We might have new listeners. Um, do, we have, do you have any special shout outs you want to give? Because I have two of them. I do not. A shout out to Jamie for being here. Yes, Jamie. Thank you. Traveling all the way here just, just for the podcast. Just to be on our podcast. Absolutely. And we're not <laughs> even 100% sure if this is going to work because we've been having audio glitches. Nobody yes. seemed to notice in the last episode, though, which was awesome, by the way. All the listener stories. Thank you so much yeah, again. A lot of people really enjoyed the last episode. Yeah. Uh, I would like to give a shout out to Cora. That is my cousin, Sarah, and her husband, Brad. That is their daughter. And she thinks we're rock stars. So that's kind of cool. Hi, so, Cora. Hi, Cora. Thank you so much for listening. And I want to give a shout out to my brother, Corey, who was on the show because they just put their pug dog, True, oh, to sleep no. yesterday. And oh, that's so sad. That was hard because yeah. they had True forever. So oh. just want to give a shout out to him and the family and True. So I think that's all I got. Jamie, did you have a shout out? Well, as always, a uh, shout out to Jim Mollick and... Uh, I'm going to also add Eric Orheim uh, today. Jamie is fascinated oh. with this pickle book. Oh, this pickle book <laughs> is really wonderful. It was published in 1974, so it's all that sort of graphic design I remember from when I was a kid. And there's one final joke on the back cover that references like a 1970s staple. So What is it? It's uh, what's green and sourced through the air. What? Jonathan Livingston Pickle. Wow, that is a 70s yeah, that's reference. A, that's a deep cut. That went know. right over my head. <laughs> it's a deep cut. You know, I uh, did the math, and Jamie and I have known each other since 1976. The yes. year I was born. Yeah, yep. <laughs> that's when Jamie and I met. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah. 
So that's, that's so fun. I love having bicentennial buds. We are. It's so fun to have that kind of history with somebody. Yep. Yes. Yes, it was a bicentennial. So is that where the questions about twice removed cousins came from? Were you trying to figure out if Cora's? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what relation Cora would be so to me because she is my cousin's daughter. She is a first cousin once removed. Okay. We were yeah. before we were recording. We were trying to figure out what the once removed, twice removed business is this is genealogy corner yeah. on the strange <laughs> sessions, strange sessions <laughs> genealogy <laughs> um, i'm still confused by it but whatever <laughs> chris is gonna pass out from the heat any second pretty much she is just this, dying this is over the jamie there. and kurt show <laughs> yeah we'll wake you up when it's done <laughs> thank you um pour some water on me i'll be good do you guys have any housekeeping jamie any housekeeping uh i mean i have literal housekeeping but, but not, not here figurative. <laughs> not here yeah none that i can think i do I ever have a Once in a while her? you do. Uh, I want to reiterate that if you are trying to get into the strangers group, you have to answer the questions. Yeah, we've let Because a in the last week, by. I've turned down like four people that I don't think were even listeners, but they wanted to get into the group and they didn't answer the questions. So yeah. if you want to get in the group, you have to answer the questions. And we also do not let people add people to the group. You, uh, have, the to to the you have to listen to the You have to be a listener to the, the podcast. Otherwise, you're not a stranger. In order to be a in a stranger. Yeah, you're just a small S stranger, not yeah, a capital not S, a capital S, stranger. S stranger. We but just I made that up right now. I think that's all I have for <laughs> housekeeping. But people really seem to like the last episode. I did. Uh, people were happy Anna won. Yes. So, and uh, Cutie. I didn't po- I didn't post it on there because I didn't think you wanted me to, but Dash sent me a really cute video of when she heard that she won. So, she's only 9 years old. She's adorable. Yes. So, her package will be sent out probably in the next week. Awesome. So awesome. I think that's all we have for housekeeping. I'm just going to go take a shower. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be right back. We'll record from the shower in <laughs> there. There are showers in the school, yeah. so. Uh, now we have time for a taste test. Uh. Yeah, do you said we have an item? We have one item left in the box that Melissa That's sent us, and I happened to see what it was, and... You seem thrilled. I was not happy. Is it fish-themed? There's fish-ness <gasps> to it. I remember what these are. Something to do with seaweed. Yes. Uh, hmm. So, kay. are you ready? I'm ready. Oh, you got it out of the closet already. Jamie, you want to announce what we are trying? Sure. Are we going to make him open it? Yes. Nori Maki... Arari. Uh, it's rice crackers with seaweed. Looks good to me. Um, it seriously? looks like black licorice to me. Shira that freaks Kiku. me out. It's Shirakiku brand, you know. Oh, yeah, that. They make good stuff. I feel like it looks like black licorice. And that Which automatically like makes just it a little bit. bad because black licorice is gross. It is disgusting. Okay. Kind of looks like little crackers wrapped in seaweed, so it looks like really low-budget sushi. You know, one thing one thing that I used low to like as a kid, but I have lost my taste for, is circus peanuts. Oh, those are those are like gross. those red things? The no, orange. They're like the orange peanut things that are, are they, like marshmallowy. Oh, they're like peeps, yeah, sort of? Yeah, kind of. Ugh. I don't like peeps, so... I have to take a whiff. These are cool looking, but there's actual seaweed they wrapped on them. Fish. They there's don't smell li- fishy. There's a little fishy Our smell. shrimp thing didn't smell yeah, fishy either. Yeah, the shrimp either. thing didn't smell fishy either. Okay, I got to take a picture of a little one. Something tells me they're going to end up in the garbage. Just saying. So now I'm going to need more taste test stuff. Okay. Are we, are we ready? We're ready. Let's do it. Oh. Oh, no. No. It's so fishy. Jamie's, Jamie's going, going in back for, for seconds. seconds. I'm uh, going in for this fudge thing left over from uh, Shane. Oh, these are terrible. <laughs> they are, but not good. 
I don't, uh, I don't understand. It tastes like the smell of carp. I don't, I don't know why this would exist. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you smell a dead yeah, carp like on the side the dead, of the ditch. The, the beach here in summer. Nope. nope. I'm going to have to follow it up with some of this milky cream fudge. Uh, no. That's terrible. I am Do you going really to like them? Or were um, you just doing that for shock factor? <laughs> I like fishy things. Um, this is a, to me, it's a four out of ten. It's like not horrible and kind of like if you were super hungry and wanted a snack and this was the only thing you had, like, sure, maybe have a couple, but you know, I'd rather be hungry. <laughs> I'm going to. It is like if you had other snacks in your house, you would. Oh, I'm going to give it a three out of ten. I'm going with a two. <laughs> Jamie was the. Well, I don't I like mean, fishy I, fish. You know, to me, it's more like smelt. You know, like it, 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 it's a, it tastes fishy, but it's, you know, there's a difference between the smell of dead fish and like the smell of fish. I haven't had yeah. smelt in forever. Smelt. Yeah, isn't that what its house pronounced? I call I, it. I've smelt. done it both ways. I, I think it's smelt, but it's. Mm. Yeah, I can't get past the fact that I'm eating the bones and everything when I'm eating the fish. Yeah. You know. Isn't that um not anchovies sardine. too? Anchovies yeah. have yeah, but they're so finite. Fine, yeah. Usually uh-huh. you that was horrible. Yeah, gross. I need gum. I do love Caesar salad. Caesar salads are like my thing. I taste one. I try it everywhere I go. An authentic <laughs> Caesar salad dressing has anchovies in it, mm-hmm. and it actually has a really good fishy kind of aftertaste, mm-hmm. which I don't mind. Caesar salads. I love it. I love it. Ugh. Okay, well, so we are officially out of taste test items. Now listeners. I'm going to have to start looking for stuff. I will too. Okay. I'll start buying stuff that's like uh, Jamie's the one that gave us that coffee milk. Yeah, yeah, that stuff was... My husband loved that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. It is like a... Yeah. It was like a chocolate milk, but coffee flavored. It was yeah. good. So good. So yeah, because we don't have any new strangers, I feel like we're ahead of schedule. We so are. we will jump right into this episode. And this... Uh, giving a disclaimer, I didn't have a whole lot of time to research for this one because last week... So it's I d- almost I f- like I did the research? <laughs> no, you do good research. No, you're, you're too hard on yourself. You're so nice. I, uh, <laughs> I feel I forgot. I didn't like uh, It didn't pop in my head that we only had like one week. Oh, right. For, yeah, usually you have two because weeks. Because I was busy playing that Life is Strange video game. So I totally kind of dropped the ball on this one. So I had one week to research it. And I usually like two weeks to research it. So... If it's shoddy, I'm to blame. I'll be judging your research through okay. the whole thing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had never okay. heard of this triangle before. And after yeah. researching it now, I'm like obsessed with this place because it sounds like it's insanely active with stuff. I mean, it's just crazy. So here we go. And Jamie, you're going to have to maybe correct me on some of these towns. Yep. Located about 30 miles south of Boston. That one I can get. You don't need to correct Boston. <laughs> Located about 30 miles south of Boston, the Bridgewater Triangle, also known as the Black Triangle, is a 200-square-mile tract of land that is often called one of the most paranormally active places in the world. Although reports of strange activity in the area go back hundreds of years, the boundaries of the triangle were originally set in the 1970s by cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman and then became known worldwide with the publication of his book, Mysterious America. According to Coleman, the three points of the triangle are the towns of Abington, Rehoboth, Rehoboth. Rehoboth. <laughs> You're going to have to correct me every time I say I, that. Reno both is awesome, though. I, I'm going to start calling Rehoboth. it that. Well, that's like people that try to pronounce Wisconsin. Yeah. You know, Sheboygan, Wyoiga. 
Rehoboth. 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 <laughs> and Freetown, putting the towns Brockton, Whitman, West Bridgewater, East Bridgewater, Bridgewater, Middleborough, Dighton, Berkeley, Raynham, yeah. Norton, Easton, Lakeville, Seekonk, and Taunton. 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 Inside yep. the borders of the triangle. My personal favorite is Seekonk. Yeah. <laughs> I like Seekonk. The first report of paranormal activity in the area happened in 1760. At 10 o'clock a.m. on May 10th, 1760, a sphere of fire was reported to hover over New England and emit an intensely bright light. Reportedly, the light was seen from both Bridgewater and Roxbury. Since that sighting, this area has spawned reports of pretty much every kind of paranormal phenomena imaginable. Since colonial times, bizarre reports began to be told about the Triangle area, including giant snakes, strange creatures, ghosts, and missing people, and in more modern times, reports include Bigfoot, UFOs, mysterious black helicopters, phantom dogs, glowing balls of light, poltergeist activity, and cattle mutilations. And by some reports, the borders of the triangle keep expanding little by little, hmm. which is frightening. So it's growing. Yeah, that's what some people believe. So Jamie is from that area. He, what you said, you live right now on one of the. I, I live in New Bedford, which is like two towns south of Freetown. Uh, so basically, I, one of the corners of the triangle. Yeah, when I first moved to the area, I lived in Fall River, which is directly south of the center of the triangle. And I pretty much drive through the triangle every day on my way to work. And um, my friends, Jesse and Joel, um, Jesse might start listening to the show. He's certainly interested in this stuff. Basically live right in the center of the triangle. Cool. I wish I did. Did you just, is this triangle situated over a significant body of water? No, it's all over land. Okay, because that's interesting. Well, Usually a, the triangles, you know, happen over water. Yeah. There's the Huckamonk Swamp, yep. which is in the middle yep. of the Freetown State Forest. Um, if you live in the area, basically Route 24 goes through the middle, north to south, and then 140 kind of goes on the eastern side of it. And then the western portion, that's kind of, there's not a lot of like major roads it's a lot of forest, correct? Yeah, there's a lot of forest. On the south side, it's like uh, the south end is uh, US-195, more or less. Okay. Yeah, so. it's, it's completely over land. And the, the tip up near Abington is right near basically where we, you start to consider Boston to, to kind of start. It's, uh, Abington's kind of like a suburb. Okay. You know, the thing is, in my head, I always picture this as just like forest and like, there's cities in it. There's roads, major roads going through it. So I just have this wrong impression that it's always mm-hmm. over forests. Well, or I mean, for, for Massachusetts, they're not major cities except for Brockton and Taunton. The, the rest of the towns that are in the triangle are all kind of smaller towns or, or very small towns. Uh, Taunton and, and Brockton are the only two significant size town cities in the triangle. So fairly, fairly. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Surprisingly rural. Okay. Uh, some areas inside the triangle. Jamie just mentioned Hakamak Swamp. It's a 5,000-acre area lying within the western section of the Bridgewater Triangle and is the center of many paranormal sightings. During the 18th and 19th centuries, Euro-American settlers determined the swamp was worthless and they attempted to drain it to convert it to profitable farmland. However, the natives of the region placed a higher value on the swamp, 
For centuries, natives had relied on hunting game there, and the swamp had gained a revered status among them. They named it Hakamak, an Algonquin term meaning place where the spirits dwell. In addition to a hunting ground, the swamp served a dual purpose as a sacred burial ground. Grassy Island, a section of the swamp, is home to an 8,000-year-old Native American burial ground. It's said that when archaeologists opened the graves of Grassy Island, the red clay inside the tombs bubbled strangely and then stopped. Photographs taken of the excavation also would not develop. According to one legend, the Native Americans had cursed the swamp centuries ago because of the poor treatment they received from the colonial settlers. A revered object of the Wampanoag? Yeah. A revered object of the Wampanoag people, a belt known as the Wampum Belt, was lost during King Philip's War. Legend says that the area owes its paranormal unrest to the fact that this belt was lost from the native people. Colonial settlers at the time called it Devil's Swamp. And there's a ton of activity, sightings. A lot of stuff is seen at the swamp. A lot of Bigfoot sightings. Ooh. Yeah, that piqued Krista's interest. It did. It always does. Uh, There is also the Dighton Rock. The Dighton Rock is a 40-ton boulder originally located in the riverbed of the Taunton Valley at Berkeley, Massachusetts, formerly part of the town of Dighton. The rock is noted for its petroglyphs, carved designs of ancient and uncertain origin, and the controversy about their creators. In 1680, the English colonist Reverend John Danforth made a drawing of the petroglyphs, which has been preserved in the British Museum, although his drawings conflict with the reports of others and the current markings on the rock. I wish I would have seen that because I was at the British Museum. I, I remember seeing a, a drawn a blank, the stone that they oh, used, uh, Rosetta. the Rosetta Stone. I got to see the Rosetta oh, Stone in really person, cool. which was really cool. In 1690, Reverend Cotton Mather described the rock in his book, The Wonderful Works of God, commemorated as, quote, Among the other curiosities of New England, one is that of a mighty rock on a perpendicular side whereof by a river, which at high tide covers part of it, there are very deeply engraved, no man alive knows how or when about half a score lines near ten foot long and a foot and a half broad filled with strange characters, which would suggest as odd thoughts about them that were here before us as there are odd shapes in that elaborate monument. Hmm. That was a mouthful to read. <laughs> Ideas about the creation of the markings include indigenous people of North America who were known to have inscribed petroglyphs in rocks, ancient Phoenicians, the Norse, colonial Portuguese, the Chinese, and, of course, aliens. In 1963, during construction of a dam, state officials removed the rock from the river for preservation. It was installed in a museum in a nearby park, Dighton Rock State Park. Another location is Anawan Rock, located in Hakamak Swamp along Route 44 in Rehoboth? Rehoboth. Rehoboth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to have Jamie say it every time. Rehoboth. Point every time yep. you want him to There was it. a reason I came. <laughs> <laughs> Anawan Rock is named for Chief Anawan and is the site where Chief Anawan surrendered to the colonists, ending King Philip's War. Legend says that the angry spirits of Chief Anawan's warriors continued to haunt the area, starting spectral fires and ghost dancing. Another area is Solitude Stone, an inscribed stone near the Forest Street in West Bridgewater, which was found near a missing person's body. It's also known as Suicide Stone. The rock was found with the inscription, quote, All ye in future days walk by Nuncontusset stream, love not him who hummed his lay cheerful to the parting beam, but the beauty that he wooed in this quiet solitude. So, pretty poem. Yeah. <laughs> Crystal looks like she's going to pass out. No, I'm good. I'm actually okay. good. I'm okay. good. 
Another area is Profile Rock. A lot of rocks in this area. Yeah. Located in Freetown from a nearby hill, the rock shows a profile of what looks like a Native American face looking out from the stone. Long before Massachusetts colonists arrive, the Wampanoag people consider Profile Rock sacred. Local legends say that Native American ghost dancers are often spied in warrior dress dancing around the rock and that the ghost of a man has been seen sitting on the rock with outstretched arms. Other reports tell of strange glowing orbs of light being seen and disembodied voices heard. Profile Rock is located within the Freetown Fall River State Forest. So is this a rock that just happens to look like the profile or it was carved that way? I believe it just looks like... I've seen pictures of it. Okay. I think it just looks like the profile of somebody looking out. Okay. One of the most famous places is an 80-foot deep rock quarry known as the Assonant Ledge. I believe it's... Assonant. Assonant. Thank you. (laughs) So glad you're here, Jamie. (laughs) Yours sounded like a swear word. It did. (laughs) Assonant Ledge. There you go. More simply known as the ledge. This was created and left on the landscape by the Fall River Granite Company during the 1800s. Here, people often speak of having a compelling urge to jump off the cliff. Several reports say that people have jumped to their death from the ledge. Other people talk of feeling a sense of extreme dread when venturing near it. It is said that visitors have seen ghosts there, and it has been an alleged hotspot for Satanists and strange cults, and UFOs have been seen near it. It reminds me of the dog suicide bridge. It does. It kind of reminds me of that. That's what I thought of, too, when I heard that people are like feel compelled to jump yeah. off of it when they see it. And there is the Freetown Fall River State Forest. The Freetown Fall River State Forest has reportedly been the site of various cult activity, including ritualistic murders committed by admitted Satanists, as well as a number of gangland murders, a large number of suicides, and animal sacrifice. Various incidents of animal sacrifice have been reported, particularly in Freetown and Fall River, which is where Jamie used to live. I'm not saying there's a connection, but, you know. (laughs) Where local police were called to investigate mutilated animals believed to be the work of a cult. Two specific incidents in 1998 were reported. One in which a single adult cow was found butchered in the woods. The other in which a group of calves were discovered in a clearing grotesquely mutilated as if part of a ritual sacrifice. Among the recorded homicides are over a dozen confirmed murders in the forest over 1978 to 1988. Another disturbing discovery by Freetown police, following a report by a victim of sexual assault in the woods, was an underground bunker otherwise hidden from view. Upon investigation, police found a number of strange objects, including small chairs with belts or restraints seemingly made for children. No. So, yeah, that's... I tried to find like more concrete evidence of that, but uh, some of the stuff that I read did say that they found this. They said it had like dolls, like dolls that were torn apart, and uh, these chairs that looked like they were there to restrain children. I so. just don't want to think about that. Okay. <laughs> so Moving paranormal on. phenomenon. There's been tons of murders there. You said like what a dozen? Yeah, there's been Within a lot a decade? of murders. That's a lot, yeah. actually. I mean, if you're in like a big city, that's not yeah. a big deal. But yep. 15-year-old Mary Lou Arruda was last seen riding her bike near her home in Raynham when she disappeared. Witnesses claimed that they had seen an unfamiliar green car with a black racing stripe in the area and were able to give police a description of the driver. For nine weeks, a citywide manhunt was on for Mary Lou. That search would come to an end just 11 days after Halloween. She was found in the Freetown Fall River State Forest with a ligature tied around her neck and secured to a tree. She died in agony as the ligature slowly strangled her to death. 
Her killer was identified when police were able to match witness descriptions to a wanted poster for a man named James Cater. Cater was on probation for an incident in 1969 involving the kidnapping and attack of a young girl. Cater denied any involvement in the Aruda murder, but was tried and convicted of first-degree murder. This ruling was overturned several times, but the fourth trial would lead to a conviction that would stick. Cater later died in prison in January of 2016. Did you say paranormal, though? Were you talking about paranormal stuff? Yeah, but I'm just talking about these are just murders that oh, were there. Oh, okay. I didn't know if I should include them or not, but I figured I would because it's kind of like there's an unusually large number into, of yeah. murders there. George Nardi had recently lost his job after an accident left him without steady transportation. Nardi's mother, Diane Barkard, was upset that her adult son was not helping her with her bills and instead chose to spend his days drinking and playing Yahtzee with friends. She planned to move to a senior retirement community, which meant that Nardi would have to find a home of his own just after the holidays. Sometime prior to Christmas, it's believed that Nardi strangled his mother to death. A trail of bloodstains were found leading from the kitchen into her bedroom. Nardi claimed that the woman had died of natural causes due to her heart condition. When he came home and found her dead, he quickly cleaned up the blood and then placed his mother into bed so he could spend last one holiday with her. Little weird. <laughs> Crystal's face. When her body was discovered, police found that Nardi had been living with the corpse for 15 days. Oh, come on. He was convicted of first-degree murder in 2006. So, yeah, I don't know how long it takes for... A dead body to start to stank. Stank. I just saw an article online about a woman who was arrested. She had been living for three years with the corpse of her mother in a bedroom in their house. How? I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. In 2015, two dismembered bodies of young women stacked on top of one another caused some to speculate that there may be a serial killer operating within the Bridgewater Triangle area. According to an article published in the Boston paper, The Enterprise... Retired FBI profilers were asked to look at the cases. The consensus was that the women had both been killed by the same person, and it was likely that the killer would strike again. Thus far, there haven't been any other cases reported to be linked to the two murdered women. Could a killer be lurking in the shadows, waiting for the perfect moment to strike again? Or were the two women simply in the wrong place at the wrong time? Hmm. I don't know. Jamie, where were you in 2015? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In New Bedford. Okay. It's one of the most gruesome murders the area had seen at the time. On the night of February 15, 1874, William E. Sturdivant walked to the home of his great uncles, Thomas and Simon Sturdivant, in Halifax. Finding one uncle getting ready to check over the grounds before retiring for the evening, Sturdivant bludgeoned him to death before going upstairs to do the same to his other uncle who had been in bed at the time. Witnessing the murder, the home's maid tried to make a run for it. Sturdivant beat her to death in the yard. A friend paying a visit to the home stumbled across the gruesome scene the following day. Police were able to tie the murders to Sturdivant after bloody clothing was found in his possession, and investigators found that Sturdivant was to be left a large sum of money upon the deaths of his great uncles. One of the more unusual twists in the case was the discovery of the maid's parrot who appeared to be in a state of shock. It's been reported by the Hanson Historical Society that upon taking Sturdivant to the scene of the crime, the parrot cried out, Murder, murder, help, help. Sturdivant was found guilty and sentenced to death by hanging. I wonder if that's true. Well, the word murder would have to already be in the parrot's vocabulary. Yeah. Right? But it's just kind of a, I think it's kind of a (laughs) interesting little. Sure. Whether it happened or not. Exactly. I think it was. It's a fun little twist. It is a fun little twist, but I'm not 100% convinced of its uh, likelihood. 
Serial killer Carl Drew was a known occultist who referred to himself as Satan. Anytime you refer to yourself as Satan, it's just yeah. you got something going on there. Right. Drew was later to be found nothing more than a pimp who used his bizarre form of Satanism to keep the women who worked for him in line. The women were forced to participate in strange rituals that involved the torture and murder of other women who had crossed him. All of the bodies of these women were later uncovered within the Bridgewater Triangle area, including Fall River, Westport, and the Freetown Fall River State Forests, leading some to speculate that the murder of Mary Lou Arruda may have been related to Drew. Drew and others were later found to be tied to the murders after one of the women working for Drew confessed that she had witnessed at least two murders. They are all currently serving life in prison. Wow. So there's been a lot of a lot of murders, and there's a, a lot of reports of satanic activity, but I always take that kind of with a grain of mm-hmm. salt. What do you know about the satanic activity, Jamie? Well, the the Drew thing is a real thing. You know, there were several murders of prostitutes um, that you know. Um, but well, I, I feel like because he called himself Satan, I think that somehow got lumped in with a satanic ceremony. Well, when, I th- I think he was a self self styled Satanist. Satanist, and you know, like he, one of the women working for Robin Murphy, I think was her name, uh, participated in the murders, and so he is probably kind of like a Charles Manson type that yeah. convinced other people to, to do his to, dirt, to do to, to help um, him help him uh, do his dirty work and the the underground layer thing that you were mentioning with the child seats i th- i think that's from the same time um, there was um, there's a documentary on this i i watched it on on Amazon Prime on the Bridgewater Triangle and you know the it starts with all the paranormal encrypted stuff. And then at the end, it just goes into murder, 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 murder. Yeah. Um, but they show, they found where this underground lair was. So there's, there's video. So the, it, it does exist. It does exist. Uh, the chair I saw was, is basically like a carved log. If you imagine a log and mm. you, you cut it. So there's a back and there's yeah. a seat. Was it like it. was it like child sized? Oh, it def- it's more like doll sized, not like oh, that's a, a child size. Yeah, that is uh, I don't remember seeing any. Uh, again, I saw this in the video, not in real life. Uh, I don't remember seeing any doll parts or anything like that. But um, you know, uh, I wasn't paying the closest attention to the documentary. Uh, there's a was it a pretty well done documentary? I mean, is it worth watching if you're interested yeah, yeah. in the Bridgestone it, Triangle? It's, it's pretty well done. Um, there's a, a police officer, Alan Alves. Uh, officer Alan Alves was on the case, and he um, seven years later, eight years later, there was a notorious uh, serial killer in the area. Um, the, he was called the New Bedford Highway Murderer, and he was involved in finding uh, in researching that case but he was involved in this earlier case uh researching carl drew and so forth and he wanted to get funding to get um police sniffer dogs Mm. uh, corpse dogs cadaver dogs cadaver sniffing dogs um to just search the forest and apparently he was turned down for that request so really you know why i think it's just a money thing or you know you never know yeah um uh, it could have also been they didn't want to find more than they w- wanted. Yeah, that's to not find. exactly going to bring people to the uh, area. Unfortunately, both with the Carl Drew case and with the um, New Bedford Highway uh, serial murderer, 
those were all, the victims were all um, prostitutes and often drug addicts as well. And so there was this sad state that when these people would disappear, no one thought mm. anything of yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. You know, so, yeah. Um, I, I think there was this desire to not find more than, or, or it could have been a desire to not find more than they already found. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. But still. It's sad. Yeah, it is sad. sad. So, yeah, there have been a lot of murders there. You know, those have, a lot of those have been verified. So, but well, I think an area that has like a negative energy can yeah. draw people like that. Yeah. And I also think when things like this happen in yeah. an area, it leaves negative energy behind. So, I can see how the murders. But that, who's play also into to say it. that they don't make a triangle over where we are now and find a bunch of murders? Well, I think it's also that it's you know there is evil in the world and and bad people who do bad things and when you have a big forest that's a place to dump bodies that is a place right. to do bad things yeah you yeah. know when i first heard about the murders in the area i assumed it was mob activity but i haven't mm. seen anything that says that you know there's any murders in the air in that forest related to mob activity i'm weirded out by that bunker with the little chair yeah, yeah. it's it's creepy huh. you know um there was another like hut out there that had stuff in it. Yeah, I read reports of a hut that had like satanic symbolism spray yeah, but painted that, on it. And as you know, like that could just be high school graffiti. students yeah. spray yeah. painting stuff. You know, like you I've know. said it before, I know people who are actual card carrying Satanists and they don't. There's a card for that? I, well, there's an official, there's an <laughs> official, the official, official church, church of Satan. Satan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and the, th- the thing with the church of Satan is they don't believe in Satan. They don't believe in God. I right. mean, you be- they believe that they're the supreme being, that they're humans are it's yeah that that we it's like a what's the word like a hedonistic it's, he, 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 oh, it's very hedonistic where yeah. you just it, you just pleasure yourself yeah. you know that's that's what you deserve because you're a supreme being yeah so it's not about torturing other people or no, no other that's people. self-styled satanists yeah. and yeah. and kids trying to be edgy things I guess. that have been s- sensationalized yep. yeah yep Hey, in the 80s, we were satanic for listening to Motley Crue and Twisted Sister. Right. You know. And Dungeons and, and Dragons. Ozzy. And Dungeons and Dragons and Ozzy. There's also been tons of Bigfoot sightings. Crystal likes now the Bigfoot. Now we're getting to the good stuff. In 1970, reports of a Bigfoot-like, seven-foot-tall, hairy monster and its footprints instigated both the Bridgewater and Massachusetts State Police Canine Unit to conduct a search for a bear. However, neither man nor bear were ever found. Also that year, on April 8th, 1970, two policemen were sitting in their cruiser when one of them stated that, quote, without warning, something began to pick up the rear of our car. I stepped on the gas and spun the car around and got my spotlight on something that looked like a bear running around the corner of a house. Local residents referred to the bean as the Hockamock Swamp Monster. Are bears known to pick cars up? <laughs> <laughs> Not that I know of. I feel like that's really weird behavior that for of. a bear. I've, <laughs> I've heard of like opening cars to get inside yeah. if there's food or yeah. something. I think I've seen videos of that, but unless there was a sandwich under the car, I don't know why they'd lift the car up. I don't know either, but that's the Hockamock Swap Monster. All right. In 1978, paranormal researcher Joseph M. DeAndrade claimed to have observed another such creature as it slowly walked into the brush of the Hockamock Swamp about 200 yards from his location. He chronicled his sighting in the 1997 book, Passing Strange, True Tales of New England Hauntings and Horrors. He also published a report by a West Bridgewater woman who looked in her garden one night and saw a very tall, shaggy creature covered with dark hair eating a pumpkin that it was holding in its hands. It looked at her with reddish-orange eyes, then ran into the woods, taking the pumpkin with it. Hmm. The red eyes are a common description. Yeah. 
for Bigfoot. Apparently, they eat pumpkins. Pumpkins are good. Who knew? I like pumpkin pie. I love pumpkin pie. One of the many Bigfoot witnesses in the Bridgewater Triangle is John Baker, a trapper from West Bridgewater. Late one cold night in the early 1980s, Baker was in his canoe running trap lines when he became aware of something watching him nearby. He told the Boston Herald, quote, Something was following me and I knew it was big, so I took the boat down a small creek to a dry hill and it kept moving. He heard the ice in the swamp cracking as the creature came within a few yards of him. The Herald described the monster as a, quote, shadowy hair-covered giant. Baker said, quote, I knew it wasn't a human because when it passed by me, I could smell it. It smelled like a skunk, musty and dirty, like it lived in the dirt. And that's like a skunk ape, Bigfoot mm-hmm. kind of sighting. Musty is a, and yep. urine. The smell of mustiness and urine is very common. So my apartment. You know I can <laughs> hear you guys, right? <laughs> <laughs> Kurt said somebody smelled good when we got here, so... It was one of you two. One of you two (laughs) smelled really good. Not me. There's also been tons of UFO sightings. Halloween 1908 marked another UFO sighting documented in local newspapers. I don't even know why I put that in there. I'll just skip that one. Why? Because it's just one sighting. I thought there was more to the the, the whatever. That's interesting. It's kind of interesting. That is interesting. You don't hear about sightings that go back that far. Okay, then I'll keep that in there. (laughs) I thought there would be more to it, and I'm like, oh, that's it. In 1968, five people claimed they saw a strange ball of light floating among the trees in a wooded part of... Rehoboth. Rehoboth. <laughs> I can't say that word. Jamie was right on cue. It was like perfect. Yeah. He, knows, he knew what I was pointing to him for. Yeah. During the 1970s, a number of UFO reports originated from the area of the Triangle, including an account by multiple witnesses at Joseph's restaurants in Rehoboth. Mm-hmm. In 1973, and on March 23, 1979, two newsmen from WHDH saw an object shaped like a home plate on a baseball diamond emit a mysterious green substance at the junction of Routes 24 and 106 in Taunton. 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 In one 1976 report, two UFOs were both seen landing along Route 44 near Taunton. In January 1991, a green flying disc was seen in Bridgewater moving slowly and silently at an altitude of about 50 feet, illuminating a large area with a powerful spotlight. In 1994, a Bridgewater law enforcement officer reported seeing a triangular-shaped craft with red and white lights. At any time you have a law, uh, a policeman... Reporting some kind yeah, of sighting. it kind of holds a little more water. Mm-hmm. In late November 1997, a law enforcement officer working the night shift in Bridgewater also saw a very large triangular UFO, and this one had three white and two red starlight lights. What's a starlight light? I don't know, but okay. that's what it said. Starlight. <laughs> just just checking us out. It's just like peeking in the window and pop back down. Oh, that was funny. What are you guys doing in here? <laughs> On December 10th, 1998, a witness is there some, like, is Route 44 a major road? Because there's a lot of sightings on Route 44. Well, in the area, like, between um, 195, Interstate 195 runs along the south coast out to the Cape. And then next one north is I-95, which circles Boston. So there's no interstates between there. They're all state roads. Oh, and so the state roads are heavily used because there's no interstates that. So run. it's a pretty busy road. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, f- there's just a lot for of locals. Uh, Forty-four is called the Raynham Auto Mile. 
There's a lot of car dealerships along uh-huh. there. There's a lot of UFO sightings on that road. Yeah. On December 10th, 1998, a witness near Route 44 in Middleborough saw a strange, brightly lit craft with numerous red, green, and white lights maneuvering around Assawampaset Road. Yeah. Uh, Jamie's got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> maneuvering over Assawampaset Pond in Middleborough. The object split into two, and then the two UFOs flew geometric patterns at high speed around the sky, displaying spectacular colored lights. The crafts then joined into one craft again and disappeared. Air Force planes were seen over the pond immediately following the incident, apparently searching for something. And I've heard reports of that, of crafts splitting into two crafts. Yeah, I've heard that too. Which... Or at least the lights. Yeah. People see the lights split apart. Yeah, split apart, and then do, like, fly in strange patterns, and Mm -hmm. then get back together. The town of Raynham frequently receives reports of glowing balls of light floating over the ground at the local dog track. Aliens making bets, I guess. <laughs> local resident Mary Lou Jones Drown reported hearing very loud helicopter noises in Rehoboth on June 25, 2002. No helicopters were apparent in the air when the noises were heard. She was able to locate and interview witnesses who told her that mysterious helicopters equipped with spotlights were seen flying over the Palmer River School on the north side of Route 44. A local farmer reported two black helicopters with spotlights were flying in formation above the trees. They came in from the southeast from Mount Hope Bay in Swansea. Swansea, yep. Another report concerning July 6, 2002 described it as, quote, it was like gray camouflage or a striped helicopter. Similar reports were made August 7th through 9th and again on April 1st, 2002. So it's not so that the helicopters were... Yeah, but they were mis- like out of place, basically. Yeah. This bird is cracking me up. Yeah, there's, there's a couple... in here. There's a couple birds sitting on this... <laughs> just keeps sticking his head up and checking us out. <laughs> so it's like the helicopters were searching for something. Yeah. what was odd yeah. about this. Okay. But black helicopters that are unmarked with yeah, no... Yeah, that's not normal. That's not normal. And there's also been tons of ghost sightings. Visitors to Hockamock Swamp have experienced such haunting activity as the smell of smoke when there is no fire, a bonfire atop a rock that mysteriously comes and goes, and ghostly voices in the Algonquin tongue. From Freetown, a ghostly trucker is rumored to speed along the winding Coppicut Road, blaring his horn and threatening passing motorists. I don't think that's the first time I've heard of a ghostly trucker. Hmm. An ornery one at that. And then there's the Phantom Hitchhiker of Route 44, and that's kind of a big one. There's a lot of stuff about the Phantom Hitchhiker of Route 44. Many people have encountered the specter of a long-dead hitchhiker along the wooded area of Route 44 while driving from Seekonk to Rehoboth. I'm getting better at this. The man is sometimes well-kept, but other times he is dirty with his clothes in disarray. A few details that remain constant in every encounter. His hair is always red, and he's always dressed in a plaid shirt. One woman reported running over a man fitting that description late one night. The man seemingly appeared out of nowhere, and the woman, taken by surprise, had no time to prevent a collision. When she jammed on her brakes and got out of the car to investigate, she found no evidence of anyone being in the road. Mm. Then the sound of cackling laughter came out of the woods beside her. Frightened, the woman returned to her car and continued on. A few minutes later, the same thing happened again. The man appeared, and once more she hit him. Too frightened to leave her car, the woman rolled down her windows to inspect the road. As before, there was nothing or no one to be seen. The disturbing laugh returned, this time much closer, as if a few feet from the car. The woman quickly fled the scene, as I would. (laughs) I would literally never drive on that road at night ever again. (laughs) 
A couple were driving down Route 44 in October 1984 when their car broke down. As the man walked up the road to find his way to a payphone, he saw a red-headed stranger. He asked the man for help, but the man was silent. Upon asking a second time, the man noticed that the stranger's face was inhuman and contorted. Yuck. I don't like that. Out of fright, the man ran back to his car to tell his wife, who he found standing outside the car terrified. When he asked her what was wrong, she said that she turned on the radio and heard deranged laughter and a taunting voice that called her name coming from the radio. Nope. Krista says nope to that. Is this, so this is the same hitchhiker? Yes. Okay. That is the phantom hitchhiker of Route 44. Well, he and that's actually like a kind of a well-known... He's a prankster. He is a prankster. Did, was that in a documentary? Yeah, the, there's lots of paranormal investigators in the area, and they all said that these stories tend to be like, oh, my cousin's brother's oh, aunt. Yeah, yeah. You know, sure. And that they, there was only one paranormal investigator who apparently tracked someone down who said they saw, we know it as, I know it as the redheaded hitchhiker, and that this story apparently was someone who uh, was driving to an airport during a snowstorm, and they kind of uh, like looked at the frost in the windshield and like they saw this, the face of the hitchhiker for a moment and it was gone. That's creepy too. But, you know, the thing is we're kind of programmed to see faces everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you're in a tense situation like driving in a snowstorm and maybe possibly tired. And maybe aware of the legend of yeah. the hitchhiker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And... Uh, Apparently the person wouldn't go on record, so we don't know who this we we don't kn- we don't know who this person is who is the confirmed yeah. sighting of the red-headed hitchhiker. The fact that they don't want to go on record, I feel gives it a little bit more mm-hmm. credibility, but then it also kind of sucks because you don't you can't really track the person down and, and see that they exist. So yeah. nobody's ever been able to dig up a death that occurred of someone I, from what I've seen, no. Okay. There's just lots of reports, and a lot of them are the same, where they supposedly hit this person, and then there's nobody there, but they hear laughter. Mm. So, like That's you said, creepy. he's a bit of a prankster. Yeah. And there's been tons of strange sightings. In 1968, five people saw a strange ball of light floating among some trees in a wooded part of Rehoboth. When they shouted a warning at it, they were terrified to see it suddenly expand to about five feet in diameter, and they fled when the orb began to move towards them. In another Rehoboth incident from around the same time period, a man looked out into a snowy field near his home and saw what he said appeared to be a Christmas tree brightly burning from the bottom up. So I don't know what that is. He thought that some vandals had torched the tree as a prank. The next morning, he went and looked in the field, and there were no ashes or even footprints in the snow. I mean, a burning Christmas tree. How else would it burn? Yeah. Yeah, from the bo- but there I mean, was nothing in the field, so was okay. It, that's the odd part. Like, yeah, uh, was it like a, a demonic Christmas tree spirit? <laughs> I don't, Christmas I don't tree. know. I don't know. Krampus. In, <laughs> in 1976, an Abington resident reported seeing a large phantom dog with red eyes killing two ponies. The witness, the pony's owner, said the beast ripped their throats and was almost as big as the ponies themselves. Responding to the incident. Abington police officer Frank Curran engaged the suspected animal and fired his weapon with no effect. It sounds like Skinwalker Ranch. It does sound a lot like Skinwalker Ranch. Since 1971, several sightings of phenomenally large black birds with wingspans that stretched over 8 to 12 feet have been reported as well. And these are generally called Thunderbirds. Okay. 
Coincidentally, the first of these reports originated from Bird Hill inside Hockamock Swamp. In 1984, two of these bird creatures were allegedly seen fighting in midair. In 1980, Boston Magazine reported that Police Sergeant Thomas Downey spotted a six-foot-tall winged creature while driving late at night down a country road. Do you think these are just Mothman sightings? Not just, but... It's possible. Hmm. It's possible. I don't remember there being a lot of sightings in the Massachusetts area. I could be wrong. Hmm. I could be wrong. But, I mean, that, that last one sounded a lot... Mothman-y. There was one report where a strange entity was seen ducking down in an empty car on Elm Street and Bridgewater. It was described as having an almost skeletal face, white as a sheet, without hair, eyebrows, lips, or a nose. <laughs> That's creepy, too. Sounds like a vampire. Another resident in the area said that one night he looked into an old barn window and saw a small black thing that looked like a midget sitting high up on a wall. The form seemed to disintegrate and move towards the witness like a mist. He fled and returned later, but saw nothing. However, he did hear, quote, weird screeching noises like a pig. (laughs) Nope. Chris is noping that one, too. (laughs) No. There was another story from the area that a teenager and his father were on a dirt road in Bridgewater and saw what looked like a little kid in a Halloween costume sitting on a brick wall. Upon approaching it, the kid got up and ran, but its arms and legs seemed extremely strange, looking like the bones and the limbs had all been broken. Oh. I don't know if that means like flopping around. I don't know. That's a disturbing image. Yeah, that's really weird. That is really weird. Was he dressed as Humpty Dumpty? That's a a really good costume if he was. Yeah. And now we get to one of the most familiar cryptids of the area. Early on, the forest was said to have been home to a race of small humanoid creatures known as Pukwudgies. Jamie knew where I was going with that, didn't you? They sound adorable. Pukwudgies. Long known in Delaware and Wampanoag Indian folklore, these troll-like creatures, generally described to be about three to four feet tall with smooth, hairy gray skin and large ears, have a notorious reputation for mischief and mayhem. They were once said to have been friendly to humans, but later turned against them. These evil little beings have been blamed for people who have fallen from cliffs, disappeared, or mysteriously died. A man named Bill Russo claimed to have a run-in with one of these creatures. And this is, this is from Bill Russo himself. Before I give you the details, I'll let you decide for yourself if I really saw a thing that cryptozoologists call a puckwudgie. Let me set the scene. I lived in a ranch home in a quiet residential neighborhood in the southeastern Massachusetts town of Raynham. My house was about perhaps 600 yards from a large area of thick woodlands surrounding a cluster of swamps and natural springs. For six years, I was on the three to midnight shift at a nearby ironworks. After work, it was my nightly custom to take my dog, Samantha, for a walk. Sammy was an 80-pound Rottweiler shepherd mix. Sammy sounds cute. That night on our walk, when we got to a cross street, we began walking along the sidewalk towards home. About 500 feet from my front door, Sam started pulling on her leash. Whimpering and shaking, she refused to go any further. I heard what was troubling her before I saw it. There was a high-pitched voice floating through the darkness sounding like a pleading child. It was saying, quote, Kier, Kier, E want you, Kier, 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 E want you, Chu, E want you. That's what the, he heard a high-pitched voice saying this. I couldn't make out the words. I thought it might be a toddler who was just learning to speak. 
A moment later, I noticed something moving in the shadows. Walking slowly into the center of the circle of light cast by the street lamp, it stopped and lifted a hairy hand or paw. Palm inward, its scooped hand began moving. It was beckoning me to come forward, again saying, Kir, Chu, Iwa, Chu, Kir, Chu, Iwa, Chu. Sam tried to pull me away. Now she was shaking so badly I was afraid that she would break her leg joints. Her head down, near tears, she would not look at the strange beast that was summoning us. It must be a kid, wandered out into the night. I have to help him. I went up. Are you okay? Do you need help? Do you know where your house is? Iwa, Chu, Chu. No response. It just kept whining those strange sounds, kind of like words, but words I did not understand. He didn't notice that it was like hairy and... I looked, okay. cl- I looked closer. It was no kid. Okay. About three or four feet tall. It was covered in fur and had kind of a chipmunky face. A fairly expansive pot belly gave it a look of old age. That sounds like me. <laughs> I was 20 feet away from it, not quite at the edge of the circle of light on the pavement. I took another step closer. Sammy's discomfort continued to mount as the creature's wail also grew louder. When I became certain that the thing was not human... I also became certain that I did not want to get any nearer to it than I was. When I saw how frightened Sammy was, I became as scared as her. We backed away from it and made a huge circle around it as we headed for home as fast as we could. The hairy, pot-bellied creature that crept out of the darkness and into the circle of light cast by a street lamp would never be called a Bigfoot or even a Middlefoot. It was Littlefoot. (laughs) But that didn't stop it from being the scariest thing I had ever seen. Safely inside, I told my wife what we had seen. I sat up all night thinking about the creature. I regretted not being brave enough to walk closer to it. The little guy never actually threatened me. If he had just tried to answer me, I think I would have gotten closer, but it kept pleading, Kier, Kier. I said the words over and over again. Gradually, I figured it out. It was talking to me in a kind of English. I am sure of it. The hairy thing was saying, come here, we want you. Or kill, kill. Or kill. But they, they believe that it was I saying, got the we want you part. Yeah, but that's what Kier was. They think what do they want the him for? Dinner? That, I don't know. That's what Puck Wudgies do. They try to... They lure they you lure in? They lure you. Yeah, I'd seen... They interviewed this guy in the documentary I watched. And there's one difference between this account and the account I saw. Is that he said that they were in like a... a break in a forest for high tension wires oh like if you imagine yeah. a forest yeah. and you have uh, that's right through you have yeah so that he had described as he was walking through this clearing where there's high tension wires and that he saw this creature you know down a bit um in the clearing um and so forth so but otherwise the story was exactly the same as he told in the documentary mm. Did they, so the guy was interviewed in the documentary? Yeah, yeah. He's a character, but, you know. Did you believe him? Well, I believe he saw something. Okay. You know. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Interesting. Puckwudgies are said to have many powers, but they are not able to pursue a victim. They have to lure a person to them. Hmm. If they do not kill the individual right away, they will leave a curse upon the person that can make them wish they had been killed. So here's a couple things about Puckwudgies. Puckwudgies are the oldest mythical creature in North America. Stories of Puckwudgies originated from the Wampanoag, Mohican, and Algonquin Indians. They believe the creatures dwelled in the woods and marshes of the eastern seaboard and are often considered to be spirits of the forest. Puckwudgies can appear and disappear at will, confuse humans, create fire, launch poison arrows, use magic, and lure people to their deaths. That's interesting. It explains the fires and the smoke that people smell. 
If you spot a puck wudgie, you should leave it alone. Anyone who annoys one will be followed around by the que- the creature, <laughs> <laughs> and will either fall victim to its nasty tricks like being stalked and having their memories forgotten, or much worse. If you annoy a puck wudgie, they might kidnap your children, push you off a cliff, attack you with their short knives and spears, use sand to blind you, or persuade you to commit suicide. Wow. Yeah. Native Americans believe that puckwudgies used to get along with humans, but then turned against them. There have been several significant amount of puckwudgie sightings in the woods of Massachusetts. The police have gotten so many reports that a puckwudgie crossing sign was erected near the Freetown State <laughs> Forest. Wow. So that's kind of cool. I did not know that. You got to hunt that down and take a picture. Yeah, that'd be so cool. That. Some believe that the area was cursed by Native American spirits because the land was taken from the Wampanoag people. Others believe that the area's negative energy comes from the brutal conflict between earlier settlers and the native people of the region during King Philip's War, the bloodiest war per capita in American history. By the end of the war, nearly 3,000 Wampanoag men, women, and children were killed or sold onto slave ships bound for the West Indies, and it is haunted by these many people who lost their lives and their lands. Yet others believe that the area is a vortex or a window where the laws of nature don't operate the same as it does in most other places. Hmm. So that's the Bridgewater Triangle. There's a lot of reports of stuff there. I mean, there's a lot of websites that have just lists of things that people have seen or I mean, it's a lot of phenomena packed into a, 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 a relatively small area. It is. How many square miles is it? Making me go all the way back. <laughs> <laughs> there's papers flying in all directions. <laughs> It is 200 square miles. Okay. I mean, that's a pretty good that's amount of size. land. Yeah. Wow. So that's what I have for the Bridgewater Triangle. There's there's a lot about it. There's a lot of lists. As Jamie said, there's a documentary about it. Uh, yeah. There's YouTube videos about it. It's kind of cool because I feel like it has a little bit of everything. There's I do too. Ghosts, like I've, I'm just surprised cryptids. that I had never heard of this before. Yeah, me too, actually. And there's just so much there that it's just really interesting. A lot of yeah. UFO sightings, lots of Bigfoot. Yeah, in terms of wildlife sightings, just to give a little context, I work at a college in Easton, Massachusetts, at the north end of the Triangle, and um, you know, I went got to work one day, and waiting for me, my email was a thing from campus police saying that there was a bear sighting oh. uh, within a mile of campus. So if you saw the a bear, you know, don't approach it. So, you know, uh, besides that area being heavily wooded. You know, we're not far from New Hampshire. We're not far from Vermont. Uh, I never got word where this bear came from, but it's certainly possible that the bear came down from New Hampshire, mm-hmm. Vermont, and eventually found its way to um, to the forest. So, you know, uh, it, it's still pretty heavily forested. And Do you think that a lot of the Bigfoot sightings are bear sightings? or I don't know. You know, the thing about a, the Bigfoot trying to pick up a car you know, like if you had a big bear that was leaning on a car and jostled the car, mm-hmm. would you they, perceive they, it they as could, trying yeah, to see yeah. it as it the, it's trying to pick up the back of the car? Yeah. You know, um, you know, I yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you don't really buy the. Well, you know, the w- one thing is, and you know this very well: a forest at night, a forest at dusk time you know, really plays tricks with your vision. It does. Mm-hmm. And uh, it does. You, you hear sounds and your imagination goes wild. You know, again, we're programmed to see animals and faces everywhere because that's how we avoid 
predators. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one person could, um, I, I saw an interview with DeAndre uh, where he uh, saw the, the Bigfoot and it was across a, a sizable pond. It's not quite a lake. And, you know, depending on forest cover, you see something going through the forest how do you really know it's eight foot tall? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, how, yeah. how do you you're, judge that? Yeah. Do you know that it's for your, because it's just wearing brown. Your distance. You know, I think right. the way you perceive the distance is going to be off. Yeah. So, I, you know, I'm sure these folks saw th- something. Yeah. Know. That's what I was going to say. It seems like to what you said before, they're seeing something. Yeah. But if these are all legitimate encounters yeah. with something, a cryptid or yeah. UFOs or whatever. I mean, there could be logical explanations for all of it. It is strange to have such a high concentration in one area. And then find no fossil record. You know, like, yeah. if, if you, uh, assuming a Bigfoot has a human lifespan, if there's was a Bigfoot alive in the 1980s, there would have had to be. That, that's one of my biggest arguments. There would have arguments. had to been 40 or yeah. 100 of them alive a century earlier, you know, uh, or a couple centuries earlier mm-hmm. in order for the species to survive. And, um, yeah, I just, you know, it's a pretty big animal to hide in for hundreds of years in a 200 square mile. That's miles. one of the reasons why I tend to not believe in, in Bigfoot type creatures is because there's got to be something. The argument, of course, is that they're intelligent and they bury their dead like we do. But, yeah. I mean, we stumble across human remains yeah. all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, that's certainly possible. It is a good argument. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have no evidence whatsoever of a Bigfoot. Just sightings and shaky, grainy footage. <laughs> very, very <laughs> shaky, grainy footage. Although yeah. someone posted like a cleaned up, slowed down um, like a 3D, video of like the, a 3D yeah, the Patterson. Yeah. And that I, was interesting. I just still don't know if I buy the Patterson footage. I, I think it looks too much like somebody in a costume. The uh, just because we're talking about my territory a bit, I first became aware of Lauren Coleman, the cryptozoologist, because Portland, Maine has the International Cryptozoology Museum founded by Lauren Coleman. And you went there, right? Yeah, yeah. I highly recommend it. It's like ten dollars, really? and it's a kind of a small museum, but it's all over the place. It has some very serious exhibits, and it has some exhibits that I don't know why they included this. <laughs> yeah. And they include, of all things, the first computer Lauren Coleman used to write a book on, which <laughs> is kind of a weird thing to have yeah. in the museum, but I very much enjoyed visiting the International Cryptozoology Museum. I bet you that would be cool. So if it you go to be. Portland, Maine... It's a must-do. Maine is on my bucket list, so yeah, Portland's kind of a cool town, and there's some neat like um, amusement parks nearby, and like Seiko and and Old Orchard Beach and so forth. That gives you that feeling of the old time, you know, kind of dirty, grimy amusement park. Nice. That's where the screws are falling out of the rides. Is (laughs) yeah, yeah. That's a lot more thrilling. (laughs) Yeah, it is a lot more thrilling. So, any do you? Come across anything else interesting about Bridgewater? Tri- do you know anybody that had any experiences there? Or no, I weird? don't. Uh, Jesse and Joel live right in the middle of this, and I asked them, and they said they don't know. They've never seen anything. They don't know anyone who's seen anything. They did say that maybe uh, Joel's, um, I think her cousin, his name, Colleen, 
uh, or niece. Her, her niece, Colleen, might have seen something, but I didn't get any details, and I haven't been in contact with Colleen in a while. So Yeah, I'm utterly fascinated with this place. So now if I come there and see you, visit you guys, oh yeah, we got to go there. Oh, I should also mention, just because, you know, it, it's fun. I've been to Profile Rock. Oh, really? Um, my friends, uh, I have friends who do horror hosting, which... Those of you in the Wisconsin area would know Ned the Dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the national stage, there's Vampire Elvira, uh, Sven Gulli, and mm-hmm. so forth. So they've had a show where they um, that's run on cable access in a lot of Massachusetts cities called Penny Dreadful's Shilling Shockers. And they did a Bridgewater Triangle episode where they kind of spoofed... Um, these paranormal investigations yeah, shows like the ghost hunters and ghost and, adventures uh, so we filmed uh, near profile rock and um, my wife and i played zombies in that nice. episode so that's it was so a lot cool. of fun is there a link that you could well you can look up penny dreadful shilling shockers on youtube okay and uh they have some clips from the show i remember i saw the clip of, yeah. of you guys yep uh, that's fun that is cool oh, that's really cool so that is the bridgewater triangle if you're interested in this definitely look it up on YouTube. Or if you live in the area and you've had an experience, let yeah. us know. Yeah, I'd love. I to don't know how many it. listeners we have that live out by Massachusetts. Yeah, but it's inevitable. It as, is inevitable. As your, yeah, as your listenership grows. Yes, it's true. And also, we know we said this several times, but Jamie did our awesome, dare I say, legendary <laughs> theme music for the show. Yeah, iconic. So I was always. Did you pattern that after the X Files? No, because well, I always I, got an X Files. I didn't vibe. really pattern it, but it was my. I was like say inspiration. inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love it. It's so perfect for what yeah. we do. Well, a lot of you. I've had people say that when they first hear that opening sound, that they get excited because they know it's a new episode. Nice. And then we threw a couple people off by putting the fanfare. <laughs> and I got people message me like, "Did you the guys harmonica? change the? Yeah. Did you guys change the the theme music? No, nope. special. It was music just a special special, special episode." episode. So that's the Bridgewater Triangle. All right. Hopefully you guys liked it. I loved learning about it. I really want to get there now. I really, really like to see some of these rocks and visit this place. So it's on my bucket list now. Excellent. I need to get out to see you guys again because... Yeah, it'll be fun. It's it'll be a like a twofold thing. You yeah. know, you yeah. get to see a good friend and... Research. Maybe one of those little gremlin thingies. Yeah, oh, I think this was... Puck I'd love to see a puck wedgie. I think you mentioned this on a previous episode, but um, my wife and I got married... Uh, Kitty Corner from the from the uh, Lizzie Borden murder yeah, house. Yeah, because there's a mm-hmm. picture where Natalie and I walked across the street and got a picture of us standing on the porch of the Lizzie Borden house. Yeah. So that was cool. That was. Yeah. I would love to have spent the night there. Yeah, it's like an inn now. You can stay there, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you can crazy. rent the murder room if you want wow. to. I would. Yeah. Chris is not so sure. I'd, I'd, I'd go and, in there and... <laughs> but not... Earlier in, the, questions. early in the episode, you mentioned Cotton Mather, who yeah. also is a huge player in the Salem Witch Trials. Yeah. Oh, so, really? You know, okay. We, we have all sorts of unsavory history that goes yeah. back <laughs> yeah, centuries. Wow. Yeah, you do. All kinds of reasons for people to be, <laughs> spirits to be lingering. I just want to hug a puck wudgie. That's what I want to do. I'm not sure you do. I'm just saying. I, I really like, I like, like it's a bad puck idea. wudgies are kind of like gins, you know, with the DJ. I thought of the gin when you were where, first talking where about they're, it. They're not. They're very mischievous. Yeah, where it's not good or bad. I mean, like there's ones that will benefit you, like help. There's ones that will actually help you. It's like humans. There's ones, there's some that are good and some that are bad, mm-hmm. you know. So I've always liked that amorality i think that's the word i'm looking for where they're immoral where they they're just kind of there they'll help you if they want to help you they'll screw you over if they want to screw you over 
I always thought that was really interesting. So somebody, I don't remember who it was off the top of my head, but somebody brought up puck wedgies like a couple weeks ago, and I was, had no idea what that was. Yeah, I've never heard of it. So now I'm adding puck wedgies to my cryptids I love list. You have a cryptids I love list? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, and now we have a story that was submitted oh, yeah. by Dash's son, Sebastian. We held it off on the last one because we kind of want people to submit stories all the time. Yeah, it'd be great to like have Like if one something happens to you guys, you don't have to wait for a listener, listener submission yeah. story. Or episode. All right. This story is from Dash's son, Sebastian, who listens to the podcast. Hey, Sebastian. Hi, Sebastian. He says, every day this story feels less and less true to me. I don't know if it is or isn't, but I'm about to tell you the way it all went down and how I remember it. It started with the 13th birthday party of one of my former friends. There were about five of us, including me. It was around 9 p.m. and we were all hanging out at the park near our houses. This happened towards the end of fall, so it was pretty dark out at the time. We soon all walked around the neighborhood telling scary stories. This is what leads me to believe that what occurred later that night could have been in our imaginations. Around 10 o'clock p.m., we started heading back towards my friend's house. I was spaced out thinking about who knows what when my friend Max, who was standing next to me, tapped me on my shoulder. He pointed at a fence about seven feet in front of us and to the left. What I'm about to describe now happened in the time span of about 10 seconds. I looked up at the fence and saw an extremely dark shadow. For a split second, I thought it was an actual person, a kidnapper or something. My friend Max shouted, go, go, go. The others in our group noticed the shadowy figure as well. We all sprinted up the hill as fast as we could. For the rest of the night, we were all scared thinking about what happened. At one point, we planned to go back to the fence, but we were too scared and only made it halfway down the hill. Maybe this is a story of a shadow man coming after a group of kids who had joked about it in the past, or maybe it's a story of a group of teenagers scared of their own shadow. Mm. Either way, it sure is entertaining to think about. Mm. So thank you so much, Sebastian. I am kind of surprised. I don't think I brought it up on here that a lot of the shadow stories people the shadow people stories that I have read, a lot of them are near fences. A lot of them involve really? fences. I've seen a lot of them that are something leaning on a fence or standing near a fence. Okay. And I don't know if I just happen to read ones that <laughs> coincide with that or if that's a thing, but I've seen a lot of ones near fences. Okay. So, I mean, it could have easily been something that they imagined because they were already in person. that frame of mind or it could have been a person. Or it could have been a shadow, a shadow person. person. Yeah, from the way he describes it as being like dark yeah. shadow, I I do think it might have been a shadow person. So yeah, that's interesting. It is, and he Very. also they also sent one in where him and uh, Dash were walking down to the basement, and a shoe flew off a, a counter that was there. And Dash has a lot of stuff happen in this basement. Yeah. Like I I want to well, investigate, investigate Dash's it. basement. So, so thank somebody, you so much for the story. Yeah, thanks, Sebastian. So somebody we had mentioned in the last episode, I think I asked the question, is this the listener whose kid keeps yeah, waking up at yeah. night? It wasn't Dash. No, no. It was, it was Jeremy Ryder. Okay. So Yeah, because he said I was saying his last name right. Yeah, and he said, however, it was my kid waking up at night seeing the dark man. Yep. So one for two, Curtin. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I got the name right. Uh, Got the other stuff wrong, but yeah. hey, one for two is 50%. I'm okay with that. That's not bad. That's 50, right. 50-50. So now, listener question. Yeah, let's do it. Jamie, you're going to participate, of sure. course. I hope it's about music since we have Jamie here. <laughs> it won't be, though, because that's how it happens. We'll probably have time for two of them. Cool. Do we have mm -hmm. a lot of questions? 
Not a lot, but we have some. Okay. As long as we always have one, I'm happy. Tonight's question one is, what is the weirdest thing about you that listeners don't know? <laughs> uh, oh, boy. I think I'm just weird in general. What is the weirdest thing about you that don't listeners know. don't know? I feel like we're uh, pretty open about our weirdness. We are. I can't honestly can't think of anything. We've talked about hobbies. I'm I'm going <laughs> to go with I uh, we've talked about it on here but it's the weirdest thing about me I think is the fact that I can't burp. That <laughs> That's is strange. Pretty weird. It it's is pretty really weird, weird. So yeah. I'm just going to go with that even though we talked <laughs> about it on here like I don't understand why I can't burp. You know, it is strange. It is. Yeah. It's a burp. I mean, it's got. Yeah. I don't understand it's a bodily function. What I'm missing physically uh, that I. It can I can't. be very satisfying. Yeah, because when I drink beer or something, my <laughs> stomach just like makes this gurgle sound, and it just sounds weird. Where does all the gas go? Or the? Oh, so do you fart a lot, Kurt? <laughs> Maybe. Not saying I'm not saying I do, but I'm not saying I don't. <laughs> what is but yeah, that's thing? that's what I. It, that is a weird fact. I mean, yes. I've never heard anyone in my life say they can't burp. One of our listeners said that. they I can't remember who really? it was off the top of my head, but yeah, they said they can't burp too. That's interesting. So what's your weird fact? Okay, I guess this is kind of weird. <laughs> it shows how paranoid I am. Whenever I get home, I have to look behind the shower curtain when I go in the bathroom to make sure there's nobody Seriously? in Seriously? Yes. Every time? Every single time. My My mother was traumatized by the movie psycho she th- oh, really? she apparently didn't shower for like months wow and took baths instead i'm you know she cleaned herself but I, no showers don't ask me why i just have this fear that somebody's going to be hiding I there and if i don't check it's going to bother me but i don't I've think never, that's uncommon for women i don't think it is either because a friend of mine had this conversation once and i said to her have you ever thought about what you do if you found someone in there and she's like Run? no i'm like yeah you better think about that <laughs> So, yeah, run. That's usually my first thought. But I always, always, I'm sort of OCD when it comes to security. I will triple check to make doors are locked before I go to bed and before I leave the house. Yeah. See, I'm not. I at have all. occasionally checked under the bed. <laughs> wow. Not for monsters, for people, because people are way scarier than monsters. Yeah. So. Yep. I guess that's my weird fact. I'll, I'll give two just for giggles. I'll give you like one everyday thing and, and one not so everyday. Um, the everyday thing is I have a weird compulsion about anything that has like a volume dial that's digital that I want to set it on an even number or multiple of five. That's like, kind of OCD. That is, yeah. That's, yeah, that's it's, OCD. It doesn't bother me if I don't do it, but I pretty much do it all the time because uh, it's harmless. Um, and then the other thing is um, my wife and I are very much into uh, playing uh, or putting on costumes and going to costume parties so we actually have costume closets at home and wow. so forth yeah it's so, <laughs> interesting um, yeah those of you you know those of you who are friends on facebook will see the constantly shifting costume photos. there's a lot of costumes yeah. i've yeah, seen a lot really of costumes cool, yeah. so. cool. it good, looks fun good question yeah and we got time for one more and that question is in a rapidly dwindling list of questions Eric Orheim, get on it. Would you rather be abducted by aliens or chased by a serial killer? Oh. Abducted by aliens, no question about it, because most abductees are returned. Yeah. 
Traumatized, but alive. Well, sometimes traumatized, sometimes yeah. not, but returned. I'm going to go with serial killer. Really? Yeah. I can't run very fast, though. I so. feel like I could. <laughs> I can't run real fast either, but I feel like I could. Defend yourself? Not defend myself or escape. I feel like I'd. the thought of being... The thought, the thought of alien abduction creeps me out. Like, I don't like... I think I'd be less traumatized after being chased by a serial killer than I would remembering mm, an alien abduction. I disagree. As the person who checks in the bathtub every day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I suppose. I can see how you, you feel like you might be able to get out of the serial killer situation. So that's more appealing. You're not getting out of the alien abduction. It's happening whether you want it to or not. But I feel like you're coming away from that. You not dead. <laughs> you well, know what I mean? Plus, there's a little curiosity factor. Yeah, yeah. You know, what does the ship look like on the inside? Right. Who knows? Yeah. But and now you can confirm they exist. The, the thing that came up in our in our episode about alien abduction that in a lot of uh, instances, if you're curious, they'll like show you around the ship. Yeah. If you're afraid, they'll just yeah. they'll just if you're freaked out, they'll just do whatever they got to do. Put Make you hold wherever babies, they got probes. Apparently. And, yeah. <laughs> so. I'm not that curious. I can I see think. both sides, but I would well, choose alien abduction. Yeah, as well. the thing with a serial killer is they've done it before, whereas you right. haven't run away from a serial killer before. Right. So no, but it they, depends on they if they have more experience. I I would be like the last person picked on any zombie apocalypse team because I would be the 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 sacrificial lamb. No, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> you just have to run faster than the guy next that's to you, right. and that's not going to be me. Well, so. that's that may be true, but I'm sticking with serial killer. I have I very would, little skills for a zombie apocalypse. The uh, alien abduction thing freaks me out. Serial killer freaks me out less, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, good questions. You want you. Good <laughs> you want you. <laughs> good questions. Uh Jamie, as long as you're here, two quick questions. Okay. Number one, favorite song of all time? Oh boy. That constantly shifts. So uh let me brew Mine that and give me the second question. Favorite movie of all time. Because those come up well, a lot one, in our yeah, questions. This one is actually related, uh, because um I, I teach courses in film music occasionally, and um, you know, the first time I did that, I had to kind of I, I picked like a film from every six or seven year period, and I got to the early seventies, and I dis- I decided to pick Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I was hoping and you I, were going to say that. <laughs> I hadn't seen it since, it since it first came out, and that film really holds up, except for the special effects of the aliens are a little not so great. But the everything else about that film, I think, really stands up really well. And I don't really have favorite things, but I sometimes prepare them in case people ask me. So I kind of arbitrarily decided that Close Encounters of the Third Kind is my favorite movie. I love that movie. The way I that story unfolds is really yes. good. I've never seen it. What? Oh, you should see it. I know. I know. That's on my list of movies that I film. should see that I haven't. Yeah. yeah. Steven Spielberg. Dirty Dancing I never saw. But I'm, I think I'm okay with that. No, you should see it. No. But no, I've Just never... Just to say you've seen it. I've never seen The Exorcist, but The Exorcist freaks me you've out. You've never seen Poltergeist. I've never seen Poltergeist. Another Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Hmm. But no, I've never I seen Close, Close Encounters. I love Close Encounters of the Third. And the score, of course, too. Yeah, I mean. yeah, the score is really great. It's actually my cell phone ringer. The, is it really? Yeah, the, the famous... Do-do-do-do. Uh, yeah. That. Very good. <laughs> cool. And so I, I figured out you know, there's so many directions I could go and I, I decide to kind of go with what I cover most in my teaching and that would be The Boxer by Simon and Garfunkel. That's oh, a good yes. song. That is a good Our song. Our answer was a Simon and Garfunkel song too, America. The, America. The I love li- the song America by Simon yeah. and Garfunkel. The lyrics in, in The Boxer are really great and 
for those of you who want to delve into it a little bit, the beginning of the story of the song is all written in the first person. But the last verse where he talks about the boxer is written in the third person. So mm. is the boxer the protagonist of the song and they just shift perspective? Or is it the boxer related somehow to the protagonist? Or are they two completely unrelated things that are kind of put together? And then the arrangement is really great with, you know, it's got bass harmonica right now, one of my favorite instruments. The solo in the middle is a trumpet kind of melded with a, a, an electric guitar uh, through the wonders of recording. And then you've got that wonderful uh, string and brass arrangement at the end. It's, it's just a really great song. I didn't realize that about the perspective of yeah. the, the yeah. singer. And, huh, that's so interesting. So there is an extra verse to that song that's not in the... Have you heard that? I've heard it, but I haven't heard it in a while. Like there's a They only live do it live, version. yes. Yeah. And my family has been singing that song for years, so yeah. we always sing that verse, but wow. it's pretty cool. They're, I grew up on them. I think they're way better than people give them credit for. I feel I like I feel like they should be there with the Beatles as far oh, as... Oh, 100%. They have yeah. influenced so many people. Yeah. And they performed at a recent um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. I don't... Yeah. Might have been for them, for all I know. They performed together for the first time in who knows how many years. And they... It was amazing. I mean, yeah. they sound like they did back in the day. Yeah. Sweet. So good. And fun fact, I worked with a girl... Her name is Jane, who was a nanny for Art Garfunkel's kids. Wow. <laughs> That's and awesome. carried marijuana through an airport for him once. Wow. Just saying. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. How many people can say that? I, not only one that I know of. So. I usually make Jamie carry it through for me. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. There are a couple questions for Jamie, and I think that is it. We have some deets. Oh, we got to do a pickle joke. Jamie is going to read our pickle joke. We'll sign yes. off with that, but we got it to our deets. Sure. Uh, you can email us at thestrangesessions at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at Strange Session. We are on Instagram at The Strange Sessions. And you can send us snail mail to The Strange Sessions, P.O. Box 434, Manitowoc, Wisconsin, 54221-0434. And you can always call our hotline at 920-443-9602. And Jamie, we will let you have the privilege of doing our signing off, our signing off pickle joke. Okay, how can you tell which pickles are left-handed? How? Place a giant bowl of pickles in front of someone, ask them to eat as many as he can, and the remaining pickles are left. Oh, <laughs> wow, that was bad. So bad. <laughs> so bad. It's so bad you have to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> So you don't cry. <laughs> Thank you so much for this book, Eric. Uh, and I think that's it's a gift it. that keeps on giving. I think that's it. Yeah. So from Krista, myself, Jamie, thank you so much yes, for being thank here. You. It Thanks is always great me. having you here. You will be here again. Check out those uh, rocks and forests and puckwudgies out there when you get a chance. Yes, you have homework now. If now, you can, bring so. us a puckwudgie next time. Sure will. Like to interview the little fella. Yep. Try getting that on the airplane. Yeah, good luck. See if somebody <laughs> smuggled that through for you. <laughs> a mask, a hat. It's, it's That's his, all you um, need. Therapy, It'll be fine. Therapy pug. It'll be fine. Therapy puckwudgie. Yeah. <laughs> so from Krista, myself, and Jamie, until next time, stay, stay strange. strange.
This has been an Old School Media production, executive produced by Kirk Konechny. For more information and content, please visit strangesessions.com. <laughs>